0: Good afternoon and welcome to the Freedom to Buy podcast presented by Supernet. I'm Joe Dworsky, the President of Retail Banking for Supernet, which is the only payment network that enables true credit card solutions for the cannabis industry, both for merchants and consumers. Each week, our podcast will take you behind the scenes of banking, finance, payments, and technology to help educate both businesses and listeners like yourself on how to make the most of your purchasing power in the world of credit. My next guest has been a pioneer in providing access to cannabis-friendly capital since 2009 in the form of loans and equipment leases to the cannabis industry. His reputation in bridging this gap for the cannabis industry has earned him the moniker the Marijuana Money Man. Please welcome to today's show, Scott Jordan, founder and CEO of the Alternative Finance Network. Scott, thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Joe. Really happy to be here.
0: Absolutely. And I'm happy to have you on and make your acquaintance. I think you're doing, obviously, you're a veteran in the industry and I'm a newbie. So I'm probably going to learn a lot on this podcast today, which I'm very excited about. Uh, let's jump right into learn more about your journey into cannabis lending and what led you into the industry. So I live here in Denver,
1: 2009, all of these dispensaries started popping up like dandelions in the springtime. And it was so interesting to me at one point in time, there were more dispensaries than there were Starbucks. <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, seeing a new industry always has excited me because that's when the opportunities uh, are best and you can establish yourself as as the go-to guy so to speak and so i decided i was going to be the go-to guy and explore this possibility and the opportunity was right there in front of my eyes with the dispensary i was a patient at i've used medical marijuana for a relief in low back pain sleeping at times it made it so much more convenient Going to a retail outlet than connecting with um, you know, someone that was uh, you know, had some, so to speak. <laughs> so I went ahead and one day I was in the store and he was complaining that he needed fifty thousand dollars to uh repair a HVAC system in his grow. And I said, Well, let me see if I can, you know, help you at all. And that's what I do. I was doing commercial lending, but I was doing all sorts of uh Products, uh, real estate, uh, working capital, as well as um, equipment financing. Found out it was more difficult than I thought. Banking back then was non-existent. You know, it was whack-a-mole banking. You know, <laughs> you'd be up one day and then you'd be down. You always had to have another bank to go to. You know, to take your money out and uh, and move it to another bank. So that presented its own unique challenges. I did a few loans, but they were very difficult. And then in 2013, I went to work for a leasing company that leased uh, equipment for businesses and my phone started ringing off the hook because I got to be known as the money man because I'd go to the local, you know, me- municipality meeting, you know, all the owners were there trying to, you know, get their licenses, get approval for stores, do the other things they needed to do to establish, you know, their footprint. I went back to my bosses and I said, "Hey, we ought to take a look at this. There's huge demand here." There's not competitors in the field yet. People will pay high rates to get money because there's no other money available other than, you know, hard money and high rates. Let's take a look at it. And they literally laughed me out of the room. They said, you're crazy. This is a fad. It's not going to last. And besides, you don't look good in orange nor in stripes. (laughs) So as you New Yorkers say, forget about it. I said, no, I don't think that's going to be the case here. I said, well, if I can find somebody to go ahead and fund these, you know, will you go ahead and, uh, you know, can we go ahead and accept uh, a fee for doing that? They said, of course, but we don't think you're going to, you know, be able to do anything with that. So of course, being from New York, I took it on as a challenge and I uh, said, Hey, I'm going to go ahead and, and figure this out. I started, you know, knocking on uh, lender's doors that I had dealt with for years and, Uh, Sure enough, uh, you know, started to find lenders and borrowers were easy, um, you know, back in the day because it was very few people competing in that section of the industry. So that's kind of the short version of the long story of how I got started.
0: Uh, I understand, you know, from my due diligence that you're focusing on lending into cannabis versus providing equity capital, debt versus the equity. Can you share with our listeners why you only provide debt versus getting some potential upside with equity or some sort of a hybrid loan,
1: well, we are not licensed, you know, to raise equity, and so that's why I don't compete in that area. I may refer if I find an equity deal. I usually will refer it to um, one of my uh, you know colleagues in the industry that uh, does raise equity.
0: And in terms of the the debt component, you mentioned in the uh, the opener question that the rates, uh, because there are not a lot of participants in the market willing to lend into cannabis, you can get a you know, very attractive, uh, you know, margins, if you will. Have you seen that, those margins compressed since 2009, given the evolution of the market and the number of banks that are now participating in cannabis?
1: the rate hikes you know that have been going on for the last 13 14 months i would say yes a little bit but there's still way more demand for uh, loans than there are lenders out there and and also it's the risk factor as well that you've got to you know calculate in uh, we've seen some of the public companies that are lending in the industry you know announcing uh, defaults and you know other adverse actions we've seen companies like bespoke that have gone out of business um, because they were unable to manage the risk of non-payment. you know no margin can make up for non-payment uh, you know of a loan. It was all guesswork at that point in time you know when they uh, you know came into the marketplace and asset value in some cases uh, has deteriorated or I think has been a little bit overvalued. You know, particularly people that value, you know, when you were looking at real estate, you a lot of times get an appraisal with two values. You'd get Mm -hmm. the uh, as-is commercial value, and then you'd get a cannabis value that was 20 to 35% higher, which I don't think was actually justified uh, because if you have to come in and uh, take over that property, cannabis is unique in that you've got a lot of small rooms and you've got to tear out all of that infrastructure in order to make it a warehouse again when it's indoors. I think that's really been the issue there. It's a high risk business, uh, you know. As we're finding, uh, you know, people are a lot of times are not able to survive, and the tax situation is just uh, crippling. So I'm anxious to see with this latest news, you know, as of August 31st of 2023, mm-hmm. the potential descheduling. I think. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how that plays out and what kind of potential relief that would give to the burdensome and onerous situation of 280E that yeah, was never designed for this industry. It was designed for illegal cocaine importation, not right. legal cannabis businesses that are state licensed, paying taxes, employing people, providing medicine for those that need it. It just is uh,
0: patently unfair. No, I agree, and it's going to be interesting to see. You know, with the news yesterday, how this moves along. Is it going to be fast track, or is it going to, you know, is it going to slow down? That's the big question because we know at the end of last year, you know, there was a lot of um, hoopla and, and excitement about safe banking getting done by the end of last year, and that didn't happen. So it's going to be interesting over the next, you know, several weeks and months to see how uh, how this moves along. Taxes are a lot. It, there are 39 states now that have some form of, you know, cannabis legalization, if you will. But I mean, the taxes in each state—I mean, I you know—it's can be there's no there's no consistency. Okay, do you see that, you know, getting you know leveled out if this does get rescheduled? Do you see more federal level, but even though it's on a state level, but more balancing of the uh, the tax ramifications for these dispensaries and and businesses?
1: Well, I sure hope so. I mean, I'm glad that some of the uh, forward-thinking states like California, Illinois, have decided to uh, give relief uh, to to the 280E provisions within their state, uh, presumably to encourage uh, employment and to have these companies stay in business and not go out of business. You know, in terms of the feds, I think they look at this as a cash cow. I think they look at this as easy targets for auditing. Most of cannabis companies don't keep great records and particularly, you know, those that are non-public, you know, it's very concerning that, um, they don't have accurate, uh, records and they don't have accurate, you know, P and L and balance sheets. So I imagine an IRS auditor just must, you know, drool when they get a chance to go in and, uh, and audit because... They'll find so many areas where they'll be able to assess penalties and and recover revenues. So Mm. I think this is going to be a very interesting uh, 12-month period of time that we're going to go through here. Uh, Between that, you know, the election, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens. And uh, hopefully it won't be as uh, draconian or as, you know, regressive as DeSantis is talking about
0: not even approving a medical marijuana for uh, patients that need it. Right. Well, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how, how that evolves as the campaigns continue. I just wanted to clarify and understand the source of the funds for these loans are that you're you know, able to facilitate. Are those being originated from cannabis-friendly banks or private lenders or a combination thereof? Mostly um, private lenders,
1: uh, leasing companies, working capital companies, companies that are non-bank related. Uh, we've submitted uh, some loans to banks, but they are only interested in high quality bankable approvals and only generally interested in real estate. We have not found any of the banks interested in working capital loans. We've found only one credit union that's willing to take a look at equipment, but then they value it at 50% of, uh, they're only going to lend on 50% of the value, which most equipment lenders are somewhere between 70 and 100%. So uh, although the rate is attractive, the leverage is not. And the banks have you know purposely done that to stay conservative. Most of them also will not allow uh, an owner-occupied real estate loan. They only will do it if it's a landlord-tenant situation. And I believe that's so if they do get audited or there is a default, they can say that they're not directly lending to a marijuana company. They lend to a company that might be leasing to a marijuana company. That keeps them out of trouble
0: with feds and the other authorities. Walk through the process the structuring of new loans, you know, for for a cannabis uh, company and what you you know, you're looking for if a company is interested in, you know, debt, what should they be ready to provide to a company like yours to get a loan?
1: What we're looking for is a borrower that can look to repay back the loan. I mean, that's in essence if you want to take that away We're looking for someone that has either the cash flow or the assets to be able to uh, pay back the money that they're borrowing and pay it back on a schedule, generally with monthly payments is where it's going to be. We're looking for if they're purchasing an asset, uh, we're looking like equipment, let's say in the case of an extraction company, we're looking for the ability to increase profits or decrease costs so that it makes sense. If you're bringing on, let's just say, let's just use an example, a million dollar piece of equipment, and let's say your payments are 25000 a month, we want to see that you're going to be able to make $25,000 a month or more or save that amount of money so that the equipment is going to be net additive to what it is that you're doing. And then, in in terms of you know what else we look for is we look for all of the basic documents that you would submit uh, to a bank. And we're looking for a and and a balance sheet uh, for a couple of years. We're looking at the bank statements. We're looking at uh, the equipment that you're buying or the asset that you're buying. If it's a piece of real estate, what is the value of that real estate? Uh, and we'll look at getting you a percentage of that. So if it's a million dollar building uh look at lending you sixty six hundred and fifty thousand to maybe seven hundred thousand dollars. We're gonna be looking for tax returns, some evidence that you know you've paid your taxes and that we can rely on the numbers, not just internally um, generated financial statements. Audited financial statements of course are the best. Reviewed financial statements are the next best. Generally, these days, uh, we're going to be looking for personal guarantees from the principals. Generally, okay. going to ask that. That are twenty percent or more. I was anticipating that, Joe. <laughs> Like-minded people, a couple of New Yorkers, here exactly talking uh, together about you know what does it take. We're going to be looking at personal financial statements, uh, you know, credit reports. We want to know that if a default occurs that there's going to be some secondary way of repaying back that loan with real estate it's possible to to look to do something without a personal guarantee because you're only lending a percentage of the building and presumably you'll still be safe if you have to take it back but all lenders would prefer that you provide a personal guarantee because it says a lot about your character and it says a lot about the confidence that you have in the transaction You know in equity you don't generally have to give a personal guarantee because there's a large upside potential with lending you have to realize that lenders even if they're charging 18 percent interest they're probably borrowing at 11 12 13 so they're not making that full margin they're making five six seven points on that and then they've got to deduct all their expenses you know the underwriter the salesperson to go out and find the deal, the office space, um, the de- default rate, which no one has known. You know, the biggest challenge that we had back in 14 and 15 and 16 is you had to input an estimated default rate and you didn't know what that was. There was no historical data. So you were basically taking a chance and estimating maybe that it would be three or
0: 4%. I've heard what has it been since since, since yeah. you've been doing this, what is what has that default rate actually um you know materialized at? Yeah. Thank goodness
1: I've only had one default in the fifty-five loans that I've done. Wow, but, that's great. Yeah, other lenders have had higher rates of default. Um, and I think it's probably creeping up into the you know twelve to eighteen percent range or a restructuring where you're not making payments today, you're going to put it on the back end and then you're going to increase the amount of uh, payments that you're making all along the way so that the lender is getting some of their, you know, principal and interest back, but they're delaying it in order to get paid something because, um, you know, we've seen a rapid price compression that I don't think anybody calculated into their, their forecasting. And that's caused, so much of the turmoil in the industry, where companies were ca- counting on getting three thousand to thirty five hundred a pound, and now they're getting thousand dollars a pound, and they can't decrease their costs quickly enough to be able to compensate for that. And even though growing has gotten more efficient, that's just a huge you know price decline. And it's either sell at a thousand a pound or let it stack up in your warehouse and go bad.
0: Obviously, it sounds like you're well below the industry average. What verticals are you lending into? You know, Can you just uh, expand on the different verticals within the cannabis side? You, you, hit, hit on a couple, but just for our listeners, can you talk about that further?
1: Sure. Well, we like vertically integrated companies that have both a cultivation and also retail because we think that that minimizes the dislocation and the difficulty if you're just growing what do you do? You know, what do you do when your competitors are selling for thousand dollars a pound less than what you're selling for, and that may uh, be unprofitable for you at this point in time? So we like that. We like uh, equipment. People that are buying. Uh, we like equipment manufacturers as well as people that are buying extraction gear and other necessary uh, equipment in order to cultivate higher margin products you know, concentrates, uh, and other high margin products we like because it's not as commoditized at this point in time as flour is where, you know, you buy, you know, 10 pounds of flour is 10 pounds of flour. And there's not, it's much more commoditized and you can put more into that. And I think people also are more allegiant to brands that, that they like and use. And then concentrates have seen a large increase in uh, market share and in people using them, because generally you're not. If you're in a state that's not legal, generally, unless you're importing it illegally, you're not able to get concentrates, um, and they're not easy to make safely. You know, back in the early days, you'd see a lot of you know companies trying to, uh, or a lot of people trying to make hash oil and blowing themselves up and um you know flower you, you know you 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 buy it you can then start to consume it very quickly
0: after you buy it so what about real estate scott i mean is that an area that uh, you're also uh, you, you touched on it but uh, you know and, and the, there are different verticals here i would imagine real estate with the growers would be more of a you know more of a secure type of loan is what percentage of your business are is you know the real estate lending
1: we do like real estate Here's what's happened, though, in the last several years. Uh, More and more companies are going to greenhouses, again, to bring down the cost uh, of uh, production and to be able to expand on inexpensive land. And most companies don't, uh, most lenders are not considering that real estate. We've got a couple of lenders that will look at that, but they also want some additional guarantees with that, um, always personal guarantees with that, because it's really personal property that kind of functions like real estate. The other thing that's happened, you know, c- quite honestly, in terms of uh, dispensaries and, you know, retail uh, and manufacturing is if someone owned it, they have either sold and leased it back or they have leveraged it in some cases because they're using as capital to be able to keep the doors open in their business. And so it hasn't been as prevalent as it was back, you know, in 17, 18, 19, you know, where you had somebody that would buy the real estate and would, um, you know, want to own it. And so, you know, the marketplace has changed. The marketplace right. has shifted greatly, you know, in the last two to three years, I would say. And I think people are trying to hang in there looking for hopefully you know some bright news from the administration and you know the i think you know the elimination of 280e would be um would really spark huge new investment and new excitement into the business i'm hoping that rescheduling might allow that to happen through just the legislative process and it now not being federally illegal so that people could go ahead and uh not be burdened by 280E.
0: I would imagine, given the evolution and where we are today and all the news that's out there, more and more states are, you know, approving cannabis, whether it's recreational or medicinal. How many new loans are you originating on a monthly or annual basis? And I would imagine that you're seeing the trajectory has been on the rise year over year.
1: We're doing. A couple of loans a month, I would say, um, is kind of what we're what we're looking at. We're seeing uh, a lot of loans. Uh, you know, a lot of people wanting debt. Unfortunately, when it comes down to it, there are m- m- many more people that are looking than that qualify, and things have tightened up in terms of um, requirements, and it's just a more difficult environment these days. We're also hoping that, you know, in addition to 280E being, you know, abolished, that the burdensome requirements uh, for getting a license and getting into business, particularly in states like New York and now Connecticut as well, you know, will be lifted because it costs so much money just to get started and just to get a license. I mean, in Connecticut... It's a three million dollar licensing fee wow I don't know how people think that you know uh the social equity applicants are going to be able to qualify for that or even just people that are you know looking to get into in, into the business there
0: well understanding now you mentioned earlier from New York I'm from New York New Jersey originally so we're both uh, from the tri-state let me ask before I get into my question Yankees Mets uh-huh. or Jets uh-huh <laughs> I grew up uh, in the shadows
1: of Shea Stadium, so I'm always going to be "Let's Go Mets." Uh, but of course, the Yankees went into a lot, many more World Series, and I loved uh, Reggie Jackson, Thurman Munson. Right. You know, yeah. uh, the old
0: school Yankee players. Yeah, that was when we were kids. Uh, yeah, that was. Those were great. The, the, the yeah. Yankees of the seventies. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Exactly. And Giants or Jets? Sounds yeah, like You're probably so a
1: Jet. I, I I used to go out to Hofstra to uh watch the jets uh my dad took me out there to watch the jets uh you know practice out there in the summertime so i and i loved uh joe willie Namath. i thought he was just uh you know broadway joe was uh great back then um i lean towards the jets but if the giants are playing someone other than the denver broncos (laughs) i usually root for the giants
0: but and 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 that was a great super bowl that was a great super bowl i i I was back in college back in the days but were you in colorado then at that i don't time? i don't see that it was the pasadena they played in pasadena that year yeah was that 87 i believe it was 87 86 87 yeah no i was living in california then
1: and i had okay. adopted uh, i moved out here in uh, 2001 and have uh you know loved the broncos and the whole city gets crazy you know on friday everybody's got to wear their orange uh, right <laughs> you know it's a work so it's 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 very exciting and now with my nuggets you know uh winning the champion uh this year and uh, the abs winning the hockey uh stanley cup you know it's pretty exciting
0: uh sports town now talking about you know our backgrounds where we you know grew up uh new york recently approving cannabis what are you seeing you know on the lending landscape you know currently from new york and now Connecticut and New Jersey is, has been approved.
1: We're liking New Jersey uh, because they've got a little bit of history there. You know, we uh, look for companies that have some track record of generating income or they have a company that will allow them to cross
0: guarantee a loan. You so, know, you so, need, you, so you need them to be up and running for some time yes. to get that to be cash flow positive. I gotcha. yes. Yes. Uh, otherwise, we're
1: just you know another right. form of equity, and uh, we're not charging equity type of
0: returns. So, uh, let's talk a little about a little bit about uh, giving back before we wrap up. Um, I understand uh, you know with uh, your company, you started an internship program uh, c- with your alma mater. Can you talk a little bit about that? I went to Babson College, and uh, the way that the internship program got started
1: was. Uh, I had a woman uh, approach me on LinkedIn saying that she had read about me and she was interested in the cannabis industry and would I be interested in having her as an intern. And at first I said thank you but no thank you, you know, I'm I'm uh, busy enough as it is. And then I thought about it and I thought, you know what? If she's aggressive enough to seek me out, I ought to take a chance and see what she um You know what she could offer, and what that would be like bringing on an intern, because it's quite fun at my you know stage in life to you know mentor and help younger people make career decisions, and particularly one in Kansas where you don't have a lot of the big companies that you know you would in a CPG business or you know in a retail business, you know where you don't have the structure there in order to do that. So I changed my mind. I brought her on, paid her. I didn't want her to do an unpaid internship. And she was great. Did a really nice job. Um, uh, I took her to a couple of shows, took her to uh, Las Vegas. And that, of course, was mind-blowing, the uh, big MJ BizCon that they have uh, in November every year. You know, 1,300 booths, you know, I don't know, 250,000 square feet. You know, it's 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 crazy. You know. (laughs) think about, you know, this little this, you know, new industry has all these huge, you know, colorful exhibit booths. And and it was great. And uh and so I decided to extend that to Babson. I was uh actually back for college reunion and I thought, you know, let me see what the interest is there. And there was a lot of interest um, you know, in that. And so I brought on uh, a Babson intern as well. And they finished up their programs now and they're both now um you know i think in their senior year of uh, of college and now they've got some practical legal cannabis experience underneath them right. that's well, great me when i was there you know ha- it wasn't legal uh, at any place at all
0: right. in the entire country mentoring these interns i mean that's the best way to learn is through osmosis from people who have been successful in their respective industries and that you know, that mentoring uh, component is so so critical to uh, to the success of so many. Uh, that is a great uh, great story. Uh, well, Scott, I really appreciate your time today. I mean, this has been terrific. I've learned you know a lot and have a wealth of knowledge you know based on our thirty minute conversation. And I look you know forward to learning more about what you're doing in this space for our listeners out there that also want to learn more. How can they reach out to you whether you know it's a a business or you know funding source how can they reach out make contact with yourself
1: probably the two best ways are either look me up on linkedin of scott jordan j-o-r-d-a-n and you can put in denver i'll come up there's a more famous scott jordan that was on uh, shark tank he usually comes up first in the search rankings (laughs) because he spent a lot of money on his uh, seo and, and social media or my website uh, which is uh alternativefinance network.com alternativefinance com, and send me an email would love to uh to chat with either lenders that are looking to place capital or borrowers that are looking to obtain capital you know it's out there it's um it can be obtained you just have to go about it in the right way in a way that it's going to uh, be in alignment with what a lender wants, and then my suggestion would be, we put out some pieces on social media about documents that are needed, twelve steps in the program, or you know how to go ahead and uh, and get your loan. Uh, the twelve steps that you need to do. Take a look at that. Gather the documents. Have a complete package when you come to a lender, and then let's see what we can do. Uh, take advantage of our the relationships that we have already established with people to get your file up to the top of the pile of what lenders are working on these days. Okay.
0: That's great. I think well, that uh, I think that you'll have a lot of people reaching out because I know that, like I said, I found it very informative and intriguing what you're doing. Well, thanks uh, everybody for listening to today's show of Freedom to Buy presented each week by Supernet. Uh, you can learn more about our company by visiting our website at supernet.com. AI. Uh, you can also listen to this episode along with past episodes of Freedom to Buy uh, at CannabisRadio.com. Uh, you can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Please join us next week and we look forward to uh, you know talking to you then. Have a great day, everybody.